It's that time. Everything and anything basketball. Presented by The Outrage. With Cajun Thierry Castle and host Spencer Byers. This is Polar Opposites. Welcome everyone. Polar Opposites back again here on Thursday. We missed Monday's episode. Little busy Cajun, so I'll take the blame on that one. Spencer Byers, Cajun, say Ruth, Haney Castleham. Oh, alongside. a little bit of a voice break there. Well, you know, when you commentate two straight days of hockey, you know, what do you, what do you expect? Yeah. What do you expect? Fair enough. But anyway, you know what? Fine, Cajun. You know what? You called me up for Cajun, say Ruth, Haney Castleham. There you go. Is that there better you. for you? Yes, sir. The guy who can't even say his own last name, let alone make me make making fun of me about it. Why I oughta cage? Why I oughta? Anyway, a lot of stuff to talk about since we took our since I since I took Monday off. Um, we're gonna start off with you know kind of like what's gonna happen next time I see you. Scraps going around the NBA. The uh, Miami Heat and the Pelicans were the big one cage. Uh, a exchange. I think it was near the end of the game, if I'm not mistaken, between uh, Marshall and Jimmy Butler. It was. Uh, I don't think it was. You don't think it was the end of the game? It was it the end of the second quarter? I'm, th- I'm thinking it was the end of a quarter. Maybe that's yeah, where I'm, I'm mixing that up. But uh, a chokehold was ensued, and no, again, um, our guy Draymond Green wasn't involved in this chokehold. But was, uh, a bunch of players got suspended in this altercation between Miami and uh, New Orleans. Five players, including Marshall Butler, um, Jose Alvarado, who's always getting in trouble, uh, Nikola Jovic, not Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jovic, and Thomas Bryant. So three Heat and two Pelicans suspended in the altercation cage. So we'll start off with this one. Um, do you think the suspensions were fair against the five individuals? Well, I think with Alvarado and Bryant, they left the bench. That's why they got Three game suspension. And that's automatic. And that, that's an automatic suspension. The moment you leave the bench, you're automatically suspended. Yeah. So that was kind of warranted in itself. Yeah, it was fair. It was fair, to be honest. Jovic, um, Marshall, and Butler each getting a game. I think that's, I think, I think that could be as fair as it gets. I have no complaints on that. I kind of I like, I kind of, I kind of like the chippiness, though. I love the chippiness between the two teams, though. Like, Martin Marshall not s- scared to go after anyone. And as some of our class, some of our former classmates at CSM love to say, Hemi Butler at the middle of things, he wants to smoke. As, as TJ Warren, that. But yeah, the, the suspensions, one game for Jovic, Marshall, and Butler. I think it was warranted. It was fair. And obviously with Alvarado and Bryant, a little bit more harsh, but even the bench, you can't do that. Yeah, and that's a rule they've they've instituted for a while. Uh, Phoenix Suns fans will remember that one when uh, Mari Stoudemire and I'm trying to think of the other starter, they got suspended for game seven. Back when they had Steve Nash, but it was it was a Stoudemire, and I want to say it was Marion, but I don't think it was. 
but it was another starter. They lost two starters for Game 7 because of leaving the bench during an altercation. Was it Boris Dio? Yeah, I think it may have been Boris Dio when he was the starting five at six foot five. <laughs> That's a joke, by the way. He's like six eight. He's not. He's not PJ Tucker. He's just damn close. But I will mention what's kind of it interesting was about it was Boris. Yeah. It was the French, the the the, the French almost tower. Yep. But uh, what's really interesting about the melee cage is how it starts. It's not like Butler and Marshall fouled each other. It was Zion Williamson trying to lay it up, got fouled, and Zion kind of walks away. And as he walks away, then the altercation starts up. Then the melee ensues, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Yep. So, you know, I I guess I agree with you, Course Cage. The passion's always great, but... You know, you also got to think at some point, you know, if you're not the guy involved, you know, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, no, that's no offense. Actually, and I will quickly mention, it was basically the start of the fourth quarter. So that's why I'm thinking it was late in the game because it was in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just personally think, you know, as much as you and I do love the passion, and and all of that stuff, you know, there is a line, and it was definitely crossed between Miami and New Orleans. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then moving to some more unwritten rules in NBA, or I guess moving from rules that are written in the NBA, which is like leaving the bench, to written to some unwritten rules in the NBA in uh, scoring late. Some games... We're blowouts, and the guys took advantage, Cage. Scoring points while the shot clock is off, while the game is well out of reach. And that's causing some ire around the NBA. Now, I know where I sit, Cage, on this particular topic. Where do you sit on guys scoring late into the fourth quarter while they're up big? In this case, with the Hornets, play better. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like the shot clock was off. Like it went up for a layup. I'm gonna look at this again to make sure the the shot clock was off. But even then, like, what makes you think like? Team shouldn't stop. Yeah, there was still a shot clock. Like play until the final, play until the whistle sounds. I kind of, I kind of respect that a lot more now because, like, I kind of was like iffy against it before, but like now I'm okay with it because, like, some of these guys, some of these guys, especially coming off of the bench, especially if it's a 25, 30 point game, they don't play as often. So you might as well play hard. So me, I have no problem with the Warriors going for it and scoring at the end of it. Mm 
and the people that have a problem with it, <clears throat> former Celtic Grant Williams, um, eat crow. Now go on. I mean, uh, I think it's kind of funny because uh, the, the game's basically over, right? Like the shot clock is still running. And uh, Steve Kerr and, and Mike Muller, pardon me, Steve, Steve Kerr and Steve Clifford are shaking hands at the at, at trying the you know as the game is about to end, and because of the kid laying the ball in, they both look towards the 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 uh, the basket, wasn't, and there's like even, a fight going on. It wasn't even the kid laying it in. It's just like Grant Williams and like maybe Miles Bridges having a problem with it. Exactly. But think about it. Think about your the two coaches, the two head coaches of these two teams. Know the game's over. They they're shaking hands, you know, speaking to each other, and then they both look at the like, under the basket, and they just see their two teams just going at it. Mm. And and I don't disagree with you. And and players are yelling at players, and coaches are yelling at players, and and vice versa. And I do agree with you, Cage. Because I do personally believe in the fact that you play into the final whistle regardless of score. But mm-hmm. I do think in certain situations, that doesn't play into a factor. Like, we play the way we play regardless of how, how good or bad our opponent is. I do believe that. But I would say, in fairness to the Charlotte Hornets... They're down by 11 with 12 seconds left. 10 seconds left in the shot clock. The game is over. And I'm not saying that that they're wrong. The Warriors are wrong in, in laying that ball in. I'm, I don't. But I can also see it's kind of like what happened in hockey with the Morgan Riley thing, Cage. I, I assume you saw. Yeah. Where Riley, Greg, Riley Craig pardon me, slaps, takes a slap shot like four feet from the net, puts it in in an empty net. And then Morgan Riley skates over and cross-checks him in the head. Like, you can say Riley, Riley Gray, Craig should have tried to do that. You know, Riley Gregg should have done that. But you can also say, well, Morgan Riley, you know, it's just I'm frustrated they're losing. The kid did something that you're, probably, you, you're not really supposed to do, and he took exception. Same he thing probably, happened here. In that situation, he shouldn't have – He it was excessive, but so was taking a slap shot. <laughs> Well, exactly. It's like, you know, you want to lay the ball in up by 11 with 12 seconds left. Hey, go ahead. But if I punch you in the head, you, you knew it was coming. You, you knew it was coming. And again, mm-hmm. that's not defending either decision. It's just, you, you know, there's consequences to actions, yeah. right? Like when I was in high school, case, and this honestly got happened, like verbatim, this was the conversation we had. I was the statistician for the soccer team in my high school. We beat a team in our district 13-0. Okay, it might even be bigger than that, but we beat them 13 0. We were tw- they were tr- we were trying not to score after it got to like seven or eight. By the way, like mm. our coaches were telling the kids to stop trying to score, and he was subbing everybody in and, and and all of that, right? Doing all the things you're supposed to do when you're up big. And our athletic director came in to, like, call this in before, like, before the next day, like, before class. He called the whole soccer team in, which I was included, so I was in the room. 
And our athletic director ripped us a new one and said that if we continue to play like this and beat teams like this, we will not we will not have team to play in our district. Like that actually happened. Right? So you know, like there there is a there's a line again, kind of like the, the previous cage. There's a line of playing till the final whistle and just stuff that is not needed. And I think the, that kind of falls into that. Even though, like, if it's the final three minutes, obviously, you play to the final whistle. But when it's the last 12 seconds, you're up by 11, the game is over. I don't exactly see a problem with either side. The Warriors laying it in, and the Hornets not being exactly happy with that decision. Mm-hmm. Because... I probably wouldn't have reacted if I was on Charlotte, but I can't say I would have been mad if one of my teammates was like, nah, that, that's garbage. Like, you're such a bummer. Yeah, insert swear word here, Cage. Insert swear word here. But think about the guys that were on the floor at that time. Guy Santos, Moses Moody, Lester Quinones, Jerome Robinson. Those guys don't play that often. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes like those are those those are the only minutes you're they're going to get for a stretch of games. Maybe in a month if if a team plays close games. Because you won't see them on the floor if it's a close game. You wouldn't think. And that's fair. Like that's again where I I see it from the Warriors' perspective of I, I wouldn't be mad about it. Now, if it was a start, it, now if this was the situation, and now, now this was a situation, and the starters were on the floor, that's a different story. Uh, I agree with that. That's a I just, I, these are guys. These are guys who barely get minutes. Like, I, I, I agree with you, Kitch. I, I do. I, I agree with you, but I still can say that as much as I agree with you, in that the Warriors were playing their bench guys, and, and their bench guys are trying to get minutes, any minutes they can. You know, kind of like what Peyton, Peyton Pritchard said with Boston. There's no such thing as garbage time. Mm-hmm. Like, it may be garbage time to you, but to me, these are the only minutes I get. I have to maximize these minutes. Exactly. And for these, for the players on the Warriors bench that don't get a lot of playing time, they got to maximize that. And, and I agree with you there, but I can also still say that, you know, if Charlotte Hornets is better players and in fairness to Grant Williams, but specifically Miles Bridges, you know, I I don't necessarily think they're wrong. Yeah, but their starters were still on the floor too. It doesn't really help. Yeah. If it would have been bench versus bench, that wouldn't have happened. Like, and Mm -hmm. you can admit that. If if Miles Bridges and Grant, if the starting Charlotte Hornets, which her bench players are most of their teams, no offense, but still, you know, I think that dynamic changes too. Mm-hmm. But it's because it's the starters versus the bench guys, and the bench guys are kind of padding the stats, is the way they look at it. Not necessarily that it is the only minutes they get, and they have to maximize. But anyway, now moving on to a funny one to me, Cage. A fan interaction, Kevin Durant getting called the, uh, I hate to say these words in this order, but it seems like that's the way it's going to have to go. Calling him the B-word, kid. Calling him the B-word. And, and let me of tell course, you. as Kevin Durant 
does, he responded. Because that's what Kevin Durant does. So, Cage, I'll, I'll let you take away with that one. Just reaction to KD being KD. He handled it well. He handled it well because there's a quote that he said after because he was asked why he didn't have two fans ejected after one of them directed profane language at him. This was before a game against the Dallas Mavs. And he was like, even though you call me that word as I'm running out with my back turned, people usually do that. Call me coward, be word with my back turned, and it wasn't too many people around. He was like, and security actually moved to eject the fans, but Durant actually intervened and allowed them to say. And this quote that I'm going to read, read out, like, kind of puts things in perspective. It's like, I know you don't mean that, I'm, and I'm not going to get you kicked out because you paid your money for these tickets. You had a couple of drinks, and I understand how people get, but there are better ways to try to get my attention and talk to me other than call me, insert Twitter word, here at my name because you're protected in these arenas. And he also said it wasn't that big of a deal. It's like they don't look at us as humans sometimes. So when you get to a chance to let a person know how you feel real quick, then they'll backtrack. See, we're animals. We're circus acts. We're entertainers to them instead of real people. I know the people want to pet the animals in the zoo, get close to the animals in the zoo, but once they get close, they realize they're real human beings too. So you should treat us like that. And then he went on to say, I could have had them kicked off. Kicked out. Nah, don't put that on me. They just call me a insert swear word here. They didn't harm me. They didn't try to harm me physically. Let them stay and give them something to think, think about going forward. And honestly, considering Kevin Durant's adventures on social media and interactions with fans, he handled this really well. And it just goes, it goes to show you, like, I don't blame athletes for wanting to eject fans if it gets personal to that level. Like, it got to the point where, like, fans were, like, case in point, Russell Westbrook, where family got involved, where they were talking about his family. Um, then it gets to the point where you just have to get ejected because, like, you can talk about how bad the player's playing, you can talk about the player, but once family gets brought in there, it gets personal. But the way KD handled this was oh, he handled he he handled this um he handled this with a lot of maturity, but I also wouldn't have blamed him if he had felt some sort of ways about it too, because fans can get away with saying a lot of stuff to players right in front of them and they're protected in the arenas because they're protected. I don't necessarily blame them. I will say I don't think fans should be ejected unless they go overboard. Again, talking about that invisible line. Obviously, there's certain things you can't say. Obviously, there's certain things you shouldn't say. And I think just normal cuss words, I think, is within bounds. Paying the ticket, especially when you're near the court, good God. 
I'm not sure I want to know how much tickets are near the court, especially right. for the Suns right now, for any Suns game because of the stars they've got. Well, this was in Dallas. Well, but it's so. Worse. Now you got Doncic on the floor too. But think about it. Any Suns game, the tickets are going to go up because they have Booker, they have Beal, and they have Durant. Mm-hmm. Like the tickets are going to go up even if they're not in Phoenix. But then you got Doncic and you've got um, Kyrie Irving as well in that mix of star power. So tickets are going to be expensive, especially closer you get to the floor. And again, with within saying, obviously there's things you shouldn't and can't say, and you deserve to be ejected once you say them, as you mentioned with the Westbrook example. I do think there is a, a realm of, yeah, the fans are an idiot, but they pay the ticket, they get to boo, cheer, and do anything in between that. And keep in mind, let me reiterate this. Security was going to eject those fans until Durant actually intervened and told them not to. Which is, I think, really weird. I think that's kind of weird. Like, if they're, like, touching him or trying to, like, that, obviously, you know, they say, I'll say a racial slurs where I was kind of pointing to homophobia, <laughs> stuff like that. Obviously, you got to send them home. Regardless of how much they paid for the ticket. Yeah, You know, if it's just normal cuss words cage, I think that's within bounds. I think that's within bounds. Because to say I have never to say I never cussed at an athlete, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say that's not true. And no, I didn't do it to their face, and no, I didn't try to pick them out of a line, but I have definitely in the passion of the moment, and normally it's egged on because I am a normal, very passive sports fan. I am normally very passive. Very passive. Mm. Almost like I don't care, passive. Fair unless, enough. I, unless there's a fan beside me who's trying, he's doing the opposite. Like I, when I went to Flint, I, I think as most of you know, I live, I'm from Wyerton, Ontario, Canada. The white, the white groundhog, if you don't know, Wyerton Willie, for Groundhog Day that just happened not too long ago. Um, our local OHL team, Ontario Hockey League. Um. The attack, who I technically work with, with the with the Rogers team as a volunteer. Um. Anyway, when I was a fan, I went to Flint for a playoff series in the first round two years ago. First time we, my mom and I, ever been to Flint. Our goal is to go to every rink. We haven't been to Flint. We went to Flint. I missed the first game because I forgot my passport, so I had to drive back to Toronto to then drive back this time over the border because we were going to meet in the middle. So I missed the first game entirely of the playoff series because you play two two away, two at home, and then you rotate. I went to game two, and my mother told me that she sat in a row with some rather loud fans, Cage, okay? Yep. And I said, okay. Like, and I, I was, you know, cautious, but I kind of knew what I was in store for. I sit down beside my mother. And Cajun, honest to God, the the row was empty from our end to the guy's end. But there was another guy who I could see on the other end of my row. Mm-hmm. And to say he was vocal is an understatement. He yelled basically the entire game. And he was saying all kinds of stuff about the mm-hmm. outside attack. He was He was – Raking them over the coals, if you will, with Joe, with 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 with, with language that wasn't, but that was his goal. 
right? Yeah. And because of that, I got a little more riled up. Because, as you know, I am someone, and my best friend Jalen, as I think we've mentioned him a couple of times on the podcast, likes to say about my family, we're amps. You give me an energy, I give it to you back or a little bit more. I can't just take an energy and not give it back. <laughs> that just doesn't work for me. So when he was giving out that energy cage, I had to give it back. And uh, I got... I got I got rather loud about the uh, Flint team, and I said some things about some some players that I definitely should not have said or can repeat here. That they definitely didn't hear, might I add? I don't think, at least. And even if they did, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. But like, with all of that being said, as a fan, you say things that you don't necessarily mean in the language you use, but the sentiment you do. Yeah. And I do think there is a line there that, you know, can and shouldn't be crossed. And you cross and that line. If you do cross that line, you get, you get kicked out immediately. But I think there is a realm where, like, that's kind of soft. Kind of like the fouls in the referee's arc cage, but kind of, that's kind of soft. Yeah. But maybe that's just me. But anyway, with my Flint Firebird story, um... We're going to move to Trey Young, and Trey Young's been in the media a lot, Cage. I'm going to start up, we're going to start off with this, not in the doc, but the Raptors were in Atlanta, in, in ATL, playing um, Trey Young and the Hawks. And uh, Trey Young got screened, came off kind of awkwardly. You know, off, uh, I think he got knee to knee, and he, he kind of limped off, like limped out of the play, limped off. Yeah. And Quinn Snyder went Blue gasket. After that referee, he he ran right at him. He ran onto the floor. His finger was out. He had to be restrained a couple of times. He was hot. Obviously, he was ejected. Um, and now Trey Young's hurt. That so he actually came back from the from whatever the knee injury was, if it was a bruise or or whatever, just a just like a Charlie horse, if you if you will. Mm-hmm. He's now out for the next four weeks after having a finger injury. So that's not going to help the Hawks' play in chances. Although they have won two straight with Murray playing at the point now. And we'll, we'll get to your player props in a second. Um, but I'll start off with the, the Quinn Schneider um, incident cage. Again, the referees continue to be in the media. Monty Williams has complained about the referees. Um, oh, yeah, the Detroit, New York one. That was ridiculous. Um, the, the New York, we went to mentioned it, that the New York Knicks would appeal because of that late foul call that the referees have admitted they got wrong. That and has been the denied. NBA denied that pro- protest. That, that protest has been denied of the New York Knicks. And that to me does not make sense. Cause it's like, it's not a misapplication of the game's rule. I'm like, well, that foul call, that, the, that foul call judgment call or not change the course of a result. I'm trying to find the other coach that I saw in the, in the media that also, oh, Darvin Ham. I forgot, the worst coach in the NBA, Darvin Ham, also has spoken about referees. To, to, to me, Darvin Ham talking about the referees when you got LeBron and AD, especially the foul merchant, like the flop, flopping machine, Anthony Davis, that's bogus to me. But the case, like they continue to be in the media. That's three coaches right there that I, we haven't even talked about yet. 
that have complained about referees recently. That's without mentioning Mike Brown earlier this year. That's without mentioning um, who was the other big one, Cage? Who am I missing? Oh, Darko Ryakovich. Ryakovich. Toronto Raptors. Like, there have been at least a half dozen, if not close to 10 coaches that have complained about the officiating. And again, when it's one or two coaches, you can say, yeah, that was an odd night. When, like, half the league is saying the referees suck, isn't that a problem? It like, is. Like, like, isn't that a problem? Anyone else not look, you know, anyone else not looking at the problem right now, Cage? And again, you and I can complain about and talk about we like the early 2000s rough and tumble basketball where, you know, if you scored over 100 points, you were lucky. You know, but there is a fine line between letting them play defense and giving them just cheap fouls and having every coach just not understand what the rules are because yeah. everybody's complaining about it. Because, again, you can't even say unfair advantage because when the coaches are complaining about it, it's not an unfair advantage. When the mm-hmm. Raptors head coach is complaining both ways, that, that's not an unfair advantage. That just means you suck. Like, I never heard a coach come out and say the refs did a great job tonight. And, yeah, in fairness, they never will. But it's never like, you know, they ask a question for the referees, you know, they did a fair job, whatever. It's always they were bad tonight. They're bad every night. No matter who we get, it's a bad night. They're inconsistent. Which is the worst thing you can be as a ref is inconsistent. As a crew is inconsistent. Mm -hmm. And, you know... It just continues to propel that notion that the league either needs to rework the rule set again, which would cause a lot of ire both ways, or you need to find new referees, and that's hard to do. So I know there's no real fix to it, Cage, but still you got to look at the problem because – I think again the biggest tell for me, and I keep saying it because it's just so it's so interesting to me. It's every coach, like when it's one or two, again it, those are outliers. When it's like ten, that's that's a pattern. It's like, a problem. Like when when you're complaining about the referees just about every night, and you're saying not only do they suck, they suck every single night. Regardless of if we win or we lose, they weren't good tonight. And I don't even care if they're giving us foul calls. They suck. Mm. Like, it's just, it's really, it's becoming more and more bothersome. And way more concerning as the season goes on. It is. And I and my greatest fear, and I've said this before on on the podcast, on our on this po- on this podcast, if the referees get in the way, like make themselves the center of attention here, and they take a step step too far, it might get to the point. It might get to a point if this is not taken care of. A player and a coach like you saw, we all saw Quinn Snyder and um, Quinn Snyder and numerous coaches go after referees and have to be held back. There might be an incident in which neck, 
everything happens so quickly and next thing you know somebody gets swung at someone gets shoved Isaiah Stewart walks in the room <laughs> yeah that I had to throw a joke in there kid somewhere I had to Hey man, if you if you're picking a fight with beef stew, good luck. Just don't be Drew Eubanks. Don't be Drew Eubanks. Don't be LeBron in that sense. Okay, I think LeBron won that exchange. Did he though? I mean, one guy was bleeding and getting kicked off the floor, so I don't. Know I mean, that was because of an inadvertent elbow at the beginning. Yeah, again, Cage. All I know is somebody left the floor bleeding. So why not? Yeah, that wasn't because of the fight. Man was trucking, man trucked, um, man trucked four guys trying to get to LeBron. I never said beef do one a unit. <laughs> I just said who won. The guy bleeding usually didn't win. And I know that's not, I'm not saying that's, that's because of LeBron, but, you know, same thing within in a fight. But back to Trey Young. As you mentioned, the Hawks are on a two game winning streak without Trey Young. I think they're better without him. I mean, that always is the worry, isn't it? With a guy who is a rather inefficient shooter. It's not It's not the fact that he's an inefficient shooter. I don't think that's the issue. It's the fact that they don't have to... They don't have to make up for his deficiencies on the defensive end. Because now all of a sudden you got plus... For the most part, plus defenders at each, each possession. At each position. And that changes things a little bit because now you're not you're not really playing five on four on defense. No disrespect to Trey Young, but he was never known as being a good defender. No offense to Trey Young, but saying he plays defense is offensive to defense. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. If Can't he breathes towards the basketball over in his own half of the floor, you're you're happy. Can't argue his with feet, he slides about as fast as a guy with cinder blocks taped to his feet. Yeah. He, he, he He's so good at guarding guards, Cage. They average 30 and 10 every game. That is true. I, it, it's okay to say, hey, he may be, a good shoot, or may be a good scorer and a good passer, but oh my God, this kid can't play bloody defense. Oh my mm. God, this kid can't play defense. He can't play defense to save his life. No, no. If you said Trey Young, to save your girlfriend's life, you must get a stop. His girlfriend dead, man. No offense to her. She done. Like, hey, Trey Young ain't getting no stop, okay? No stop. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. No, kidding. He, he get no stop. No stop. I, I don't know if, 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 if his girl's on the line. Then... No stop, Kid. No stop. Just 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 like Giannis Antetokounmpo said to uh, Patrick Beverly, no smoke. No smoke. No stop, Kid. No stop. Trey Young couldn't stop a breeze. Not even like a stiff one. I'm I'm saying like an actual like like if I blew it if I went he he, he let that go by. Mm-hmm. Just like every guy he tries to guard, they go by. Fair enough. But it, it will be interesting to see for the next month or so. If the uh, Hawks can get keep themselves in the play-in, they're right now four games ahead of the Brooklyn Nets for the 10th and final play-in spot, and we'll see if they can keep it 
without probably their best player, you'd say, even with the defensive deficiencies. Yep. But with saying that, Cage, we'll not talk about that uh that juicy part that that uh that juicy first bet there in your player props. As sports betting has risen in popularity, and I want to connect you with all the opportunities to get started or get ahead. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits, and there's never been a better time to sign up than right now. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash the outrage, link in the description. You'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All of these sportsbooks have va- valuable sign-up offers for new users, and when you register through our link, you will automatically receive the top one with each. When you use multiple sportsbooks, you ensure you can always access the best available odds, which is the successful key to sports betting. Which you could argue Mr. Thibruthany Castle himself is probably a somewhat successful sports better as he makes money every night. So, Cage, what do you got in force for this Thursday set of games? Well, okay. So, before we get into DeJounte Mark, because I'm reconsidering that. Um, I'll tell you the other three that I have. Colin Sexton over four and a half assists versus the Magic. Feel like that's a little bit too low for Colin, Mr. Sexton. Um, Alperen Shingun over two and a half turnovers. He had five against the Thunder last game. And he's facing off against the Phoenix Suns. And I saw like a brutal stretch against the Thunder in which he turned over the ball back to back to back times. And then my favorite prop of all time, Victor Wembenyama. Now the line's increased now. It's not over two and a half blocks anymore. It's three and a half blocks. But I feel like he'll go over that, especially against the Thunder. An alternate pick maybe to make now that I'm kind of figuring this out is Chet Holmgren over two and a half blocks too. And then DeJounte Murray. Now, kind of, I wrote it down here over 35 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. The only reason why I'm kind of hesitant on that is that I got a feeling Atlanta might turn this into a blowout against Brooklyn. Maybe, maybe not. So that's a little bit of a question mark. But if this game's close, he should easily get over 35 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. You think just points and probably rebounds, even including assists or vice versa. Well, he's the de facto point guard right now with Trey Young out. And he's had 11 assists in his last two games. I'm I'm even thinking, Cage, he'll probably, you'd think between rebounds and assists, he'll have at least six or seven of both. I mean, if he only has to score, well, his you know, doing the quick math, like 28 points. I kind of like the eight and a half assists better. So, you know I what? Mean, Let me change this. 
We will. Well, take... I think they're. I think they're both decent cage, to be honest. The thirty-five and a half over on points, rebounds, and assists, but then also saying on the side bet of betting the eight and a half over eight and a half assists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Cage, okay. all I have to say about the betting about the odds is the Knicks are dogs at home against Golden State. Give me the guys playing at MSG. Um, I like them to win that game, especially at home over Golden State. Um, well, wait, 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 wait. Don't wait. take it. fans. Don't take that just yet until. We figure out if Jalen Brunson's playing that game or not. Well, well, he's a game time decision. Well, he's questionable. Game time decision, same thing. Literally means the same thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, Julius Randle is out, which is kind of a problem for the Knickerbockers. But as much as Cajun's a fan of him, I mean, you you're a fan of Carl Anthony Towns, so call a spade a spade. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know how Carl Anthony Towns got mentioned, okay? All I said was, and you're one of your favorite players. I don't know Julius how Brand- Julius okay? Randle was mentioned. What do you mean? Because he's playing for the Knicks. What do yeah, you mean? How do you get mentioned? He plays for the I don't Knicks. know how that was mentioned. Like, what the hell's going on here? I don't know how that was mentioned about me being a fan of him. Because well, you are. <laughs> you know, you have his jersey. You know, I know you have posters of in your room. On the list oh. of things that aren't true. That's why I so, listed ta- I, 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 that's why I listed Towns. Uh, you being a fan of Carl you know, Anthony Towns. You know, you, you, you think you have, you have like a doll of him. I think I think you call him an you action figure, but it's a doll. It's a doll. You know, you 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 know, it's not even life size. It's like an actual like little like tiny like I'll say like a, like a voodoo doll. Like I you said, know? you'll never it see. It might have even been homemade. It might even been homemade. I don't know. I don't know where you got it. I don't know where you got. It. I, I never asked. I never asked where you got it. Um, you know, I, you know, it's okay, Cage. You're a big fan of Julius Randle. It's fine. You know, we all know how much you like him, and you know why you, you know, you were so biased. You can't put him in your top ten power forward. You're like, you know what? I love Julius Randle so much. I can't even put him in the top ten because I'm gonna put him one. So I'm gonna take him off the list just to make sure I don't put him in one. Like, how nice of you to admit your bias. <laughs> like, it, it's so amazing, Cage. It's so amazing. I'm so happy for you. You know, to admit Everybody, it, your bias. Are you done drinking the Carl Anthony Towns Kool-Aid? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm having a little too much fun making fun of you and your in, in your boy Julius Randle. Anyway, I just thought, looking at Lions Cage, I kind of like the Knicks as dogs against Golden State, especially at home. If it was in Golden State, if it was in San Francisco, I wouldn't be. But if it's in New York, I, I kind of like that Knicks line, to be honest. I was gonna, I'm, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I was kind of trying to look at Dante DiVincenzo's lines. Because his last team that he was on was the Warriors, so you think he's gonna go up, get up for this one, especially? He's been playing really well too recently, right? Huh? He's been playing really well too recently, hasn't he? He's been playing well. I have him on the fantasy team, Cage. He was a wave warrior pickup. Oh, so uh, for me too. Great minds think alike. And you never been called a great mind in your life. Big hey, mind, uh, but not, not in, night. In terms of the waiver wire, I mean, I I am a genius. Yeah, we we get it, Cage. You play way too many fantasy leagues. We understand. Anyway, we'll now move off of the New York Knicks, and I think our last topic of the night because I we're 
I will say tentatively, we are going to record, of course, on Monday. We may record an episode in between. I've, I've mentioned this to Cage, but I kind of want to get one more out before we record Sunday night, probably. Close Monday. Um, I would like to try to record one more if that's tomorrow, meaning Friday, or the next day, meaning Saturday. I haven't yep. really decided yet, but just to kind of, because we missed Mondays, try to even it out type thing. But the final thing we're going to talk about, Cage, right, I think we need to talk about because this could go, you know, very broad spectrum, kind of like the, you know, the the coaches running at referees and the and the fans, you know, being vulgar and being over that line. They they went over the line again, and, and this goes to a really overarching issue. But we'll start with this. Kyle Filipowski of the Duke Blue Devils was injured after Wake Forest, the, the demon, the, the demon deacons. Beat the uh, beat the Blue Devils at Wake Forest in I think it's North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Wake Forest's fans stormed the stormed the court, and from what Filipowski and Duke is saying, intentionally made contact. Some fans made contact with Kyle, and he was injured. Like had to be like instantly helped off the floor, injured. And I know John Shire, the head coach at Duke, has said they want to stop. Crowd, uh, crowd uh, storming. I know the Duke players have been saying they should stop crowd um, storming. I know some other coaches and programs have started saying that as well, getting more vocal it seemed, about it. It seemed like Wake Forest was on board with that too. I mean, because it makes you look bad. Mm-hmm. Like, it does. But I guess I'll get your opinion, Cage. What do you think? Because he did play the next game. Filipowski was in the lineup for Duke's next game, which I think was yesterday, from what I remember, as I take a quick little gander. Yeah, it was. They beat, they killed Louisville. So, yeah, it was, and he was in the starting lineup. Didn't necessarily play well shooting-wise, but nine points, ten rebounds, and six to six for Filipowski. Considering what could have happened, I'm just glad he's on the court. Yeah, exactly. But, um... I guess just Cage, what is your opinion on crowd storming? Court storming, but crowd storming because it happens in football too. Um like it happens in other sports. So basketball is not singular in that, but still, you know, what what do you think? Cuz we saw this happen with Caitlin Clark too in an in an Iowa game, which Iowa was upset. I can't remember by who though. But I I say do away with it because if player safety is at risk in this situation, player safety player safety runs prevalent, should run pre- prevalent. And if fans can't control themselves and try to go at players and go at opposing players, then do away with it. Because that easily could have gone sideways. Could have gotten a lot worse for Kyle Filipowski. When Caitlin Clark got bumped, that easily could have been worse. If player safety is in question and is at risk when court storming happens, then you gotta you gotta pick player safety. And we've seen a lot of court storming 
we haven't really heard a lot about injuries like in the past, but as of late, fans are being a lot more reckless. And it's come at the expense of players. So to me, like, I'm always on the side of players. I think player safety should run, like, should reign supreme in a topic like this. And if it means banning court storming, so be it. I think there's a time and a place. And I'm going to try to pick my words rather meticulously. I don't necessarily think court storming is a bad thing. And again, obviously, when fans make intentional contact with players, that's a problem. Incidental contact with players is still a problem, but not as big. Right? Because that could happen at any point. Mm. It's, I think, the volume, right? It's never like a court storming where it's like the first two rows. It's always like hundreds of people. Yeah. On the floor to the point where like the whole floor is covered. I understand that's the point, but that's where the problem is. Is is the mass of people because like guys just can't guys and girls just can't get out of the way. Yeah. So I think if they either limited the number of people they allow, or they change. When you can. Like, say, not right when the buzzer goes, but say they get Duke off the floor and then the crowd can run on the floor. And then you can have as many kids as you want on the floor and celebrate with the team and, and, you know, do the social media thing or whatever. Like, that makes sense. But make sure, like, the security holds them till they get the away team off the field, off the court, whatever, right? And then you can do whatever you want. I think one of those two options would be more likely because I don't think they'll ever okay relative because obviously they can get rid of court storming. I just don't think they're gonna because mm-hmm. it is such a, a a emotional thing and other like LSU's done it. I know Auburn's done it after winning the Iron Bowl over Bama, especially at at, at Auburn. LSU's done it in death. I believe they're called Death Valley. Um, and and Baton Rouge, like lots of teams do it for lots of different reasons. Like, and that's that's I think the big example there, Cage. Honestly, is when Auburn beats Bama in the Iron Bowl, which is their big game. That's the game on the schedule. If Auburn goes one in eleven, Cajun. The one game they're winning is against Bama in the Iron Bowl. Regardless if that's in Tuscaloosa or if they're hosting it, they want to win that game. Just like Mm -hmm. the Egg Bowl in Mississippi between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Same thing with, you know, all the other big games that happen in in college sports that have great names, by the way, some of them, like the Egg Bowl. I think it's hilarious. (laughs) In Mississippi. Like... Mm -hmm. There are games that have massive importance, not only to the the programs, but the fans. So if Auburn wins and beats Bama in Auburn, do they, if they storm the field? Yeah. You know what? I I think that's okay. And yeah, obviously don't hit any Bama players. Don't do anything stupid, but relatively, you know, I I don't see a problem with that. When Wake Forest beats Duke, their in-state rival, 
I'm not mad about it. Yeah, obviously you shouldn't try to hurt one of their players. That's ridiculous. But there is time and place. Mm. Now, the reason why I say that is because I don't necessarily think what Wake Forest did is is right where it is a big game. You do beat your rival. You do beat a top-ranked team. But it is just a regular season game. Like, it doesn't really mean anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it is a rivalry game. And, yeah, you want to win those games. Mm -hmm. But, like, it isn't that big of a game. Like the Iron Bowl. Like the Egg Bowl. Like all of those other games. I know that's football compared to basketball. But still, like, say Wake Forest beat Duke in the conference championship game. In the ACC championship. Then I understand. Completely. I understand. That makes sense to me. That's a big game. You beat your rival. All of those things amalgamate into court storming. You know what? Okay. I understand. But like mm. a regular season game? Really? Yeah. Like that's that's where I have a little disconnect. But other than that, like I I see it as a really interesting again dynamic that college has over the pros because this has never happened in the NBA, the NFL. Like it, it never happened, never, hmm. never ever 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 never ever. Never ever. But in ever. college, you can get away with it. Hmm. Sort of, as we've as we've come across. So. I don't think it's going to go away. I hope they make some changes to it if they're going to do it during the regular season for basketball, for example. Mm. But I think for big games, true rivalry games, true big games, I think then I can understand. Yeah. Not necessarily agree with, but I can understand. Anyway, Cage, I think I think we basically covered everything that I thought we should cover. Is there anything you quickly want to mention before we go? I think I know we got some other things in the doc that we're gonna we're gonna come back to. Um, obviously, Chet and Wemby going at it later on today. As you mentioned in your uh, Holmgren and Wemby going over on blocks. Yep. I guess well, each other might I add. So you're saying Wembenyama blocks Chet about four times, and Wemby and, and Chet blocks Wemby about three times. Um, yeah, because they're gonna be matched up. I mean, or 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 he could or he could make poor Josh Giddy um fodder again when when he what was it caught the ball. But yeah. Also, are your Celtics playing today? I don't think so. That's my score uploads so slowly. So slowly. They don't. They play. No, they don't. I didn't think so. Against the Mavs. Well, they just put a shellacking on the Sixers because they suck. So. I got Mavs ML. Of course you do. That's okay. Eight-game heater for the Boston Celtics, extending yeah. their conference lead to eight games. So at least you got one prediction right, Cage. The Celtics are going to win the Eastern Conference. What, finish first in the East? Yeah, they're going to win the Eastern Conference. Regular season Eastern Conference. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, winning the East. I'm like, 
Well, they're going to do that too, Cage, but they got to win the conference. First. I, I, I don't know about that. They got to prove it. I don't want to hear that from you right now. I don't want to hear that from the team right now in 12th. I don't want to hear that right now. Well, last I don't want to hear that right now, Cage. Cage, I don't want to hear that right that was now. In 12th was the most recent team that won a ring. Great job, Cage. You got one. I'm happy for you. You got one. And the one ring that you got almost got ruined by... Whoa, Glenn whoa, Hurts. whoa, whoa, whoa. The one. The well, one. The one, in your, the one ring in your lifetime. What difference does that make? What difference we, does that make? We count We count it as one because the Raptors did not exist when Boston won those titles. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make... Any I sense. know it. I know it doesn't. I'm just trying to piss you off. Like, like, what's going on here? What are you? What are you? A Jordan defender? What the hell's going on here? Anyway, you know, rings only matter. Rings matter until you try to make an argument where they they're where they matter more, and I think you're wrong because it makes my argument look more flawed. No. I mean, the only thing, the only thing, right there. the only thing I'm saying, the only the one ring that the Celtics have won in this century. Almost got ruined by Glenn. Was done in spite of Glenn Rivers coaching. I hate how you said this century like it's been a while. Cage, we've had 24 years in counting in this century. Not even a quarter of the century through this century. You talking all this smack. Both those lowly, rotten, no-good, nasty, stinky, putrid Toronto Raptors. Hey, man. Talk to that. You keep, you keep kissing that ring before you go to bed beside your Julius Randle doll cage because you're going to need to for the next 20 years. How's that Carl Anthony Towns life-size doll feel next to you? Life-size? Whoa, whoa, cage. You didn't see me own no life-size doll, okay? I've seen your Julius Randle voodoo doll, okay? I don't, I don't know what's going on here, okay? You don't need to lie just because I'm telling people the truth, okay? I'm telling them truth. You're lying to try to make my thing sound like a lie. Which I don't understand, Cage. It's okay to have a Julius Randle voodoo doll. It's okay to love Julius Randle. It's okay to own posters I wanted, posters to, say it. I, of I Julius wanted Randle. to say it joke so bad, but I don't feel like this is going to turn over well. Well, probably not, Cage. You, you bet me before, so you know to tread lightly. Try to tread lightly. Especially when I start poking. Oh, that that definitely would not have treaded lightly. Oh, probably not. If you, if you, if you didn't say it, probably not. Yeah. But, uh, you know, with that cage that the Celtics are rolling, that Chet and Wemby have continued their amazing rookie seasons. We'll probably go into depth pretty soon about their rookie seasons I feel like, and just how good even, they've been. Even, th- even then, I feel like the rookie of the year race is kind of... It's Cage, you know what it feels like? You know when you say, like, you know, if this guy didn't exist, this guy would be the best player ever kind of thing? Like, say in the draft, you know, if this player didn't exist, this guy would be the first overall pick. Yeah. Right? And I, I'm i trying to think of the last draft where we really had that. Where there was, like, the top guy, the next guy, and everybody else. I'm trying obviously, to... obviously, panning out helps, but, like, I'm trying to think of the last draft in the NBA that's had that. Cause I can think of NFL drafts that have. I can think of NHL drafts that have. I can't really think of an NBA one. Because, like, Scoot and Brandon Miller were, like, in the same tier in last year's draft. The year before that, who went before Wemby? 
or before chat? What do you mean like, before chat? Because I can't even remember who went in front of chat. Bancaro? Oh, Bancaro, you're right. And they were all in the same tier. Um, let me, you know what, Cage? As we end this episode, rather sloppily, might I add, I, w- I will take credit for that one because of Cajun's uh, affinity for uh, Julius Randle. Hey, man. Spencer Byers thinks Carl Anthony Towns is the greatest big of all time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, Cage, again, you can't just lie like that. You can't just lie when I'm just telling people the truth. You can't just lie and give up fabrications, okay, Cage? It's not very nice of you, okay? That's all I got to say. It's, it's not very nice of you, you know, to... I mean, me uh, to lie and give up fabrications. Okay, it's not very nice of you. It's, it's not like very nice. you t- you telling the masses that I am a Julius Randle super fan is like me telling the masses that I have 2020 vision. Neither of that's true. Uh, no, that's fair. Cage, maybe it's like the 2019 draft. It's Zion Williamson and John Morant, then John Morant, and then kind of everybody else. Now, it's no offense to R.J. Barrett, but you knew it was going to be Zion at one. And jaw too. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the, the 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 race for um the rookie of the year. Like you know that Wemby's gonna win it, but any other year, Chet would have won. Literally any other year, he would have won the rookie of the year. He just yeah. happens to be playing in a season where literally the best prospect since LeBron James. Is playing in the NBA. I'd argue he has a be- he's had a better rookie season than LeBron's rookie season. I mean, but they're different players, right? In fairness to that, they are very different players. And that's true. So I only get the I only get the like for like comparison, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because of the positional difference between playing small forward and center, that's and fair. being a seven four center at that. So I do think that adds a, a little bit of variety to that mm-hmm. um, scenario. But yeah, I think I'll, I think it's going to be it. Yeah, well, we'll probably talk about um, some other more topical stuff in our if we do record an extra episode somewhere here. That will probably what we talk about is the review of Chet and Wemby's rookie seasons. Kind of a look back through some stuff that's happened this year, how teams are looking with. Maybe some tread deadline pieces or or some signings that were made and what have you. Um, obviously, some news that does come out as you know the week goes on. But mm-hmm. I think it'll be at Forest Cage. So for Cage and Theru, Thandy Castle, I'm Spencer Byers. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Polar Opposites here on the Outrage Inn.